بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه ومن تبعهم ووالاهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد فقد قر الله سبحانه وتعالى في القرآن المجيد بعد عوض بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها الذين آمنوا كتب عليكم الصيام كما كتب على الذين من قبلكم لعلكم تتقون وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم رغم أنف رجل دخل عليه رمضان ثم انصلخ قبل أن يغفر له وكما قال صلى الله عليه وسلم صدق الله العظيم وصدق رسوله النبي الكريم ونحن على ذلك لمن الشاهدين والحمد لله رب العالمين Respected elders and brothers Two months prior to the month of Ramadan when the crescent, the Hilal of Rajab was cited and all of us heard the dua being recited or we recited the dua Allahumma barik lana fi Rajab wa Sha'ban wa balighna Ramadan At that time the thought that crossed the mind of every person was that now I have to get ready for the month of Ramadan I have to prepare for the month of Ramadan and like that in the blink of an eye the month of, the month of Rajab came and went the month of Sha'ban came and went and it feels just like last night that the Hufaz in the various masajids and the other venues took their places on the musallas and commenced Alif Lamim Thalik Al-Kitabu La Raybafi and like that in a blink of an eye here we really find ourselves at the last part at the back end of the month of Ramadan we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept from us Whatever little effort we had done in the month of Ramadan, no matter how deficient it may have been, no matter how incomplete and how broken it may have been, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is kareem. Al-kareemu huwa min yu'ti bila stihqaq. Allah ta'ala's quality is, He is al-kareem. Al-kareem is that being who gives and gives and gives, even though the recipient is not worthy and entitled to receiving. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through His karam, through His kindness, His grace, His generosity, that accepts from us our little efforts that we made in the month of Ramadan. But now, my dear brothers, as Ramadan draws to an end and comes to a close, the great challenge that many of us face and the important question that many of us have to ask ourselves, and that is, is it going to be another Ramadan but the same old story? Is it going to be another Ramadan but the same old story? That a person goes through the motions of the month, the sihri, the fasting, the iftar, the taraweeh, and the rest of it. And now the person feels the month of Ramadan has come to an end. We're done with that. Ramadan is done and dusted. And now the person very quickly goes back to his old way of life. As though he did not even notice. As though he did not even realize that he went through a month-long period of rigorous spiritual exercises and spiritual training. Our respected Sheikh Hazrat Abdul Haq Maktasaf Dawn Barakatuhum says that this month of Ramadan is like a very, very special guest, a very, very honored and special guest that visits us once a year. And this guest does not come empty-handed. It comes with loads of gifts. What kind of gifts? The gift of fasting, the gift of salah, the gift of the tilawat of the Qur'an, the gift of some sort of obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, some sort of obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
A person may not be a namazi reading salah out the month of Ramadan, but that very same person in the month of Ramadan is performing tahajjud salah. A person who after making wudu, he becomes, in the month of Ramadan, a person becomes so conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, of the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A person after making wudu throughout the year, those few droplets of water that remain in his mouth after making wudu, he doesn't even think twice about it. He's not concerned about it. But the month of Ramadan, a person is so conscious of the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that after making wudu, those few droplets of water that remain in his mouth, a person thinks to himself, I cannot swallow this water, it will invalidate my fast. And he goes and he spits out that few droplets of water, those few droplets of water. That's how, that's how mindful he becomes of the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So all these valuable gifts Allah ta'ala gives us in the month of Ramadan. And however guests, an honorable guest has to come to us in, to our homes and visit us and stay with us. And he brings to us some valuable gifts. And we, you, we accept the gift from the person. And we use this gift from the person in front of him. While he's there in our homes. But as soon as the person leaves our home, we take that gift and we throw it and chuck it into a dustbin. Well, the person will say, how ungrateful this is. Inna Allah la yuhibbu kulla khawanin kafur. Allah despises. Allah dislikes a person who is ungrateful for his ni'mats. Are we also going to be ungrateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? That in this month, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed us. Allah ta'ala allowed us to prostrate our heads before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wallahi, this is not through our own doing or through our own wishes. Rather, it's only the fazl and the karam and the kindness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that a person comes and he bows down his head before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wallahi, there are many people in the world. Forget the world before we speak about such cases overseas. We know of people in our own localities who years have gone, years have gone, and they have not seen the inside of a masjid. Years have gone and they have not set foot into a masjid. Are we also going to be ungrateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? A few years ago, maybe or five or six or maybe more years ago, a few a jamaat went from our country to Palestine. And when they came back and they gave us Kal Guzari, they said whilst they are out in Gash, they met a group of youngsters. Perhaps 20, 22 years old. Such youngsters who perhaps for the last 8 or 10 years, Salah had been fard upon them. They spoke to these youngsters, spoke to them and took them to the masjid. When they took them to the masjid, these youngsters said, told them that forget us knowing how to perform salah, we do not even know how to perform wudu, teach us how to make wudu. So we are also going to be ungrateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that allowed us to come to the masjid and allowed us to perform salah in the month of Ramadan. After the month of Ramadan, are we going to become ungrateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and discard, <coughs> and discard uh, this favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In this month of Ramadan, Allah Ta'ala blessed us with the opportunity and the great blessing of reciting the pure and the pak kalam of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Each, one of per- each person should ask himself, we know that on these tongues of ours, how we have polluted our tongues, the lies that come from our tongues, the riba that comes from our tongues, the swearing and the abuse and all the other things we put on our tongues. But despite that, Allah Ta'ala through His kindness, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala allowed us to take the pure and pak word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon our tongues. So my dear brothers, are we going to be ungrateful, to our disfavors, ungrateful for these favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? My dear brothers, as we now approach the end of the month of Ramadan, we, re- we find that the people are classified into four groups. There are four kinds of people we have after the month of Ramadan. There are those people who, mashallah, throughout the month of Ramadan, throughout their lives, they have some sort of consciousness, some sort of fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some sort of 
consciousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So whether it is the month of Ramadan or not, the person is conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These kind of people, alhamdulillah, may Allah ta'ala make us from this kind of people. But the advice to this kind of people is, number one, is that let us, us try to develop some sort of spirituality and some sort of ihtisab in our ibadat. Let it not our ibadat become a mere ritual that we go through the motions and uh, uh, our salah and our tirawah becomes a task that has to be fulfilled, lacking this true spirituality. Rather put our minds, our hearts and our souls in our ibadat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And secondly, my dear brothers, let us, our intentions be solely for the purpose of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sometimes we do something and our intention may not be so clear. Our respected Sheikh meant once an incident of a person who for many years would perform salah in the front staff of the masjid. And one day he got a bit delayed and he read salah at the back staff. Perhaps the second or third or maybe some other staff he read salah. And whilst he was in salah, the thought crossed his mind that today what will people say? What will people say? That for many years you were in the front staff of the masjid. But today you are in the back staff of the masjid. But alhamdulillah this person had some sort of Consciousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, no sooner did he say this, that he realized that perhaps the many years of salah I performed was not for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It was for the sake of people and this person repeated all those years of namaz. And my dear brothers always understand that no matter how close we may go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, nafs and shaitan will always be there and always be making effort to bring us down. Like a person who's riding an animal, the same horse for so many years, for the last 20 years, he's riding the same animal. And he's accustomed and used to riding this animal. But when that person is galloping, that animal he still holds on tightly to the reins of the animal. Because at the end of the day, this animal is a beast. This horse is a beast. It can make an unexpected movement and throw me off the horse, which could result in my death or injure me very, very seriously. Likewise, no matter how much of the qurb, of the close of Allah Ta'ala we enjoy, remember... That nafs and shaitan are animals, are beasts that will want to bring us down. So that's the first group of people. The second group of people we have, my dear brothers, who prior to the month of Ramadan may not have been living the best life Islamically. But in the month of Ramadan, the person makes some sort of intention, he turns his life around. And he makes the intention going forward that I want to remain upon the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Many, many pious people, the turning points of their life, the turning point of their life was the month of Ramadan. I mean, after all, this is the month of Allah's spiritual, Allah's spiritual blessings, the month of the rahmat and the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So many people find the spirituality and they find the changing point in their life to be the month of Ramadan. The advice to these people, my dear brothers, is that remember after the month of Ramadan, shaitan and nafs will not let us get away so easily. We will face a massive onslaught from nafs and shaitan trying to drag us back into that way of life. If a person can withstand that initial onslaught from nafs and shaitan, then inshallah as the person goes ahead and moves forward, it will become easier and easier for the person. The third group of people we have, my dear brothers, who prior to the month of Ramadan are living their ideal life. In the month of Ramadan, mashallah, they go through the motions of the month, but as soon as the crescent of shawwal is sighted, that person goes back to his old way of life. And the fourth category of people, my dear brothers, Allah save us from becoming like this, it those, are those people whose hearts are so immersed, and so consumed by sin, they have drifted so far away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that whether it's the month of Ramadan, and not the month of Ramadan, or whether it's not the month of Ramadan, it makes no difference to them. This person has become so consumed by sin, that even the month of Ramadan, the person is not prepared to give up his sins, may Allah ta'ala save us. 
Now the advice we give, my dear brothers, to all these groups of people in general, and particular the last three groups of people, that in them after the month of Ramadan, how can we try to uh, help ourselves to give up this obedience and become closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The first and important advice, my dear brothers, is that we all have to have an intention. What intention? Every single Muslim must have this intention in his heart, the person wants to become closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I want to become closer to Allah ta'ala. I want to become an obedient servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's in unimaginable. It cannot be fathomed. It's impossible that a mu'min, a person who believes in Allah, a person who believes in Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa a person who walks on the earth of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a mu'min who enjoys the benefit, the boons and the ni'mats of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He eats the food provided by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He enjoys the ni'mats of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is impossible for that person to be walking on this earth and not have the intention to become a close and obedient servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So all of us must have intention that we want to become close and uh, close and obedient slaves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No matter what the state of our life may be, no matter how far we may feel that we have drifted from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, do not lose hope in, in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One of the ayat of the, of the Quran Sharif that gives us the most hope. Ya asrafu ala anfusihim. La rahmatillah. Allah addresses you, Allah addresses me. Ya ibadi. For a person to call another person his slave, this is derogatory. But for Allah to call us his slave, this is an honor. For Allah to call us his slave, this is an honor bestowed upon us by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ya ibadi, alladheen asrafu ala anfusihim. Those who have wronged themselves, those who have forgotten Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, those who have drifted away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, no matter what crimes we have committed, no matter what wrong we have committed, la taqnatu min rahmatillah. Do not ever lose hope and become despondent of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No matter what the crime may have been, if you sincerely make the effort to make amends, Allah is there to forgive us. So have this intention, my dear brothers. Every single person, whilst we sit here, make the intention in our heart now. Even though shaitan will try to stop us, that you're enjoying your life. This false enjoyment is very, very tasty. Don't give it up. Whatever it is, make that intention that I want to become a close servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If a person has a sincere intention in his heart, that I want to become an obedient servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If he's insincere, sincere in his intention, inshallah the day will come where Allah ta'ala will allow him to turn his life around and become an obedient servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So all of us make this intention inshallah that we want sincere intention. We want to become close to Allah ta'ala. We make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We make whatever effort we can to draw closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then the second advice my dear brothers is that we finish off this month of Ramadan strongly. We finish off this month of Ramadan strongly. Remember, Ramadan is not over as yet. We still have one or two full days of the month of Ramadan. And we still have one odd night that could possibly be the highlight of the month of Ramadan. The 29th night tonight could possibly be the highlight of the month of Ramadan. My dear brothers, you know the month of Ramadan, a person should think the month of Ramadan to be like a race, like a sprint. At the end of it all, my dear brothers, our entire life is one race. Fafirru ila Allah. It is one race towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sabiqu ila maghfiratin mi rabbikum wa jannatin arduha ka'abdis samayur arud. Allah ta'ala says race and bold towards the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the jannat which Allah ta'ala has prepared for us. So our life is one race. A person who is a hundred meter sprinter. 
The ideal race that he wants to run is to get off from the blocks, get out from the blocks very, very quickly. Get off to a flying start and then build up his momentum and get into his stride quickly. And then as he approaches the last few meters, then he wants to put on the afterburners. Put on the afterburners as they say. And power over the finish line. Likewise, this should have been our attitude in the month of Ramadan. That we get out of the blocks very, very quickly. And the middle part of Ramadan, we build up the momentum. And then as we approach and come into the last 10 days of the month of Ramadan, we put on our afterburners and we finish off the month strongly. But my dear brothers, sometimes what a person feels, a person feels that now Ramadan is drawing to an end, at the 27th night is already passed, we only have a few days left. So now I'm getting tired now, the early mornings, the late nights are getting, are getting to me, I'm tired now. So the person feels he must wind down and take it easy. And then when he winds down, then he needs the clothes for Eid, and he, the, his wife needs the scarf to match the cloak, and the children need the shoes to match the kurta and the, and the cloak. So now we need to start trawling the malls. And we need to go to certain souks and events that are taking place. And may Allah forgive us, we all know very well at these places what kind of what the, the things happen. So all the effort the person made, 25, 27, 28 days of the month, in the last few hours, and the last few days of Ramadan, the person spoils all of this. It's like a person who's running a 100 meter race. And he got off to a flying start. And he was winning the race. And as he came to the last 10 or 20 meters, he feels now, I got this in the bag. And the person now slows down to a jog. There's a fear that this person will lose the race. Every single person, every other competitor will overtake him. Likewise, if we are going to wind down very early, before the month comes to an end, then there's a fear that whatever effort we put in, we dug in and made the effort for so many days of the month of Ramadan, and now we are going to lose the spiritual gain of this month. And like, like people like me, my dear brothers, who didn't spend the, the, the beginning part of the month very well, these last few days are an opportunity for us to make amends and finish off the month strongly and gain the, best, the, the benefits of the month of Ramadan. Al-A'malu bil khawatim. Allah Ta'ala judges our, judges our actions according to how we round off that action. How we round off that action. Like a 100 meter sprinter who's running, who didn't get off to the ideal start and he was, he was lagging behind. But then the person really digs in towards the end. The last few meters he digs in and he puts in that effort. Whatever energy he has, he, he inserts that energy. Then there's a chance that this person can also win the race. Ibn Rajab al-Hamdali rahimullah says, in his Lataif al-Ma'arif he says, فَالْمُبَادَرَةُ فَالْمُبَادَرَةُ إِلَىٰ اِخْتِنَامِ الْأَعْمَالِ فِي مَا بَقِيَ مِنَ الشَّهَرُ فَلَعَلَّ اللَّهَ اِيَّشْتَرِكَ بِهِ مَا فَاتَ مِنْ ضَيَعِ الْعُمُرِ So he says that in this last few days of the month of Ramadan, he says race and go and value the opportunity that Allah Ta'ala has given you to do a'mal in the closing stages, stages of the month of Ramadan. He says it could be perhaps through the devotion and the sincerity that you show in the last few days and hours of the month of Ramadan that Allah Ta'ala will accept the entire month from you. So my dear brothers, the last few days we have the month of Ramadan. Let us finish the month strongly. Let us start winding down from now and taking it easy. Rather finish the month of Ramadan strongly. And as I mentioned, we have one more odd night of the month of Ramadan. This one odd, this, this odd night could possibly be the highlight of the month of Ramadan. Like a person, for example, who goes to a, he has bought an expensive VIP box World Cup final ticket. I'm not saying this is permissible for us to be at different venues, but as a, but we have an example. A person has an expensive ticket, and hours before the kickoff of the final, the person takes his seat, and he's there, he watches the exhibition matches and the curtain raises. 
And a few minutes before, few minutes before the main event kicks off, the person says, I'm tired and now he leaves and he goes away. What will the people of the world say? That this person is a foolish person. He has an expensive ticket. He spent so many hours there. There's only a few more minutes to kick off. And now the person wants to leave. Likewise, my dear, but if you will wind down from now, that tonight would be the 29th night of the month of Ramadan, possibly the highlight of the month of Ramadan, we could be losing out on this great opportunity Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. So the second advice, my dear brothers, is finish off the month strongly. Finish off the month strongly. Put on those afterburners and finish off the month strongly. The third thing, my dear brothers, to help us and assist us to live some sort of Islamic life after the month of Ramadan, to try to give up a life of sin, is that we have to be very, very particular about our salah. We are very, very particular about our salah. One of the most effective ways and one of the most powerful ways for a person to abandon and give up a life of sin is for a person to preserve and look after his salah. Allah Ta'ala in the Quran Sharif Himself tells us, إِنَّ الصَّلَاةَ تَنْهَا عَنِ الْفَحْشَاءِ وَالْمُنْكَرِ When he would translate this ayat in Urdu, then he would play on the pun of the word tanha. Tanha in Arabic means to to prohibit, to stop. And tanha in Urdu means by itself alone. So we, he would say that namaz tanha. That namaz itself has the power and the capacity to stop a person from all acts of indecency and all evil. He mentioned in the Hadith Sharif, one occasion a person came to complain to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Nabi of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, there is one person here, Entire night he performs salah. Qiyamul layl, tahajjud, the entire night. But with dawn break, the person goes about stealing and robbing people. So Allah's Nabi sallallahu asked him, that if, if what you are saying is true, sayan hahu ma taqulu, if what you are saying is really true, that the person spends the entire night performing salah, then soon the barakat and the blessings of his salah will be that his salah will prevent him from committing the crime that he is committing. There was a young person who was, I was speaking to him, he was telling me, this person, he was saying that when he was younger, when he was in school, his father was very, very particular with him about his salah. So this person would go out with his friends to different places, but he would make sure that when namaz time comes, he will leave everything and he will go for salah. Because he feared, maybe not with a clear intention, but he said, I will go because I know when I get home, the first thing my father will ask me, before asking me about where I went and what I did, did you read your salah? Where did you read your salah? He's mentioned on one occasion, subhanallah, we can't look down any person. At one occasion, on a Saturday, there was at a party. And then Isha time came. So he says, Isha time came quietly, he slipped away from that party. He went to a walk to a masjid close by, performed his salah, and then came back to the party. He says, this is how I lived my life for a few years. But then he says, all of a sudden, this inclination in my heart towards sin and this parting lifestyle totally fell out of my heart. Just came out of my heart. I had no inclination towards it whatsoever. I started living a homely life and then Allah Ta'ala gave him the tawfiq, the person is studying to become an alim. And he always says that the only reason why I feel that perhaps Allah Ta'ala allowed me to give up this life and to study the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that my father is very particular with me, uh, particular about my salah, and perhaps that salah allowed me now to give up that kind of life. So my dear brothers, let us make it a point that after the month of Ramadan, that when the time for salah comes, whatever we may be doing, our jobs are not more important than bowing down, bowing down before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
leave out your work, leave out your work for the work of Allah. Show importance to the work of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah will show importance to your job and your work. So we take, make a point of it that every salah we leave, drop whatever we are doing and proceed to the masjid you read salah in jamaat. And with takbir ula. And if this is not possible, then we, we, wherever we may be, we are at an airport, upon an aeroplane, the time for salah comes, show importance to that salah. And show importance to that salah. And do not feel ashamed, my dear brothers. We have an airport, do not feel ashamed to read salah. Today, na'udhu billah, a person openly commits sin, and he says he's proud of it. A person says, na'udhu billah, na'udhu billah, may Allah save us. I'm gay and I'm proud. I'm gay and I'm proud about it. He is proud about his sin. But a believer, to fulfill the purpose of his life, Allah has created us to get down and bow down before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every time we are going into sajda, we are fulfilling the objective of our existence. We are fulfilling the objective of our lives. To get down before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But a person feels shy in the airport. How can I perform salah? Upon the aeroplane, how can I perform salah? Everyone is watching me. Do not ever feel shy to perform salah. So my dear brothers, another way to help us give up a life of, a life of sin is to become regular with our salah. We have seen many, many people, my dear brothers. They came to the masjid. Oh, sometimes Allah forgive us for looking down at people. Came, dressed up anyhow, wearing clothes that we might look down at a person. But we see over time, subhanallah, that person, because of being regular with salah, the time comes when the person changes his entire life and he becomes closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So may Allah give us the understanding, may Allah make us regular with our salah. The next thing, my dear brothers, is after the month of Ramadan, if we want to retain some sort, some sort of spiritual energy that we developed in the month of Ramadan, is we have to remain in good company. We have to remain in good company. This can never be overemphasized, the importance of remaining in good company. For example, if a person currently in his home, he has a jug of water in his fridge, and that thing has cooled down now to a certain temperature, the person wants to drink cool water, cold water for iftar. So he goes home now after this talk, and he takes that jug out of the fridge, and he puts it on his kitchen counter. We will personally find within a few hours by iftar time, the coolness of that water will be lost and that water will now be at room temperature. For it to remain, have retain its coolness, it has to remain in a cool environment. Likewise, my dear brothers, in this month of Ramadan, all of us have developed some sort of coolness of the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, some sort of understanding, some sort of connection. Even might not be the strongest connection, but most of us have developed some sort of connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The fact that we are sitting here shows that we have some sort of connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But for us, after the month of Ramadan, to retain and maintain that sort of feeling that we have in our heart, we have to remain in, in good company. We have to remain in good company. And worse than that, my dear brothers, if a person, if a person takes that jug of water from his fridge and goes and leaves it outside in the sun, then we find that the water, instead of being cold at iftar time, the water will be hot and difficult for a person to drink. Likewise, my neighbors, after the month of Ramadan, if we will once again join evil company and bad company, we'll find very, very quickly that whatever spiritual energy we had developed in the month of Ramadan will be lost very, very quickly. When we were in our teens, when we were young people, then at that time, Ramadan had been in December, January period. And remember at that time, they, Alhamdulillah, there was a blessing in disguise because the month of Ramadan, Allah Ta'ala saved us so much. So, in the month of Ramadan, we would attend the programs, the last 10 nights of Hazrat Mona, Yuris Patel Sahib, Rahmatullahi, in the balance of all masjid. And I remember very, very clearly, we all know, or many of us will know, Hazrat Rahmatullahi, 
and, and, and what he had to offer and how many, many people benefited from him. So after the month of Ramadan, when Ramadan will come to an end, then we will feel spiritually charged. We will feel some sort of feeling in our heart through the blessings, nothing to do with us, but the blessings of Hazrat Rahmatullah But then we will go back to school. And then we all know the school environment is not, high school environment is not the ideal kind of environment. And we will find in a very, very short while, very, very short while, that feeling that we had in the hearts, the spiritual charge that we had developed in the month of Ramadan was lost very, very quickly. So for us to uh, remain, for us to maintain the spiritual spirituality that we developed in the month of Ramadan, it is vital and important for us, my dear brothers, to remain in good company. And alhamdulillah, my dear brothers, we in this country, Allah has blessed us. Every night of the week, there is some sort of good gathering for us to attend. Be it the outgush taking place, or the ingush taking place, or be it the pro- some special program, or be it the majlis of some of the mashayikh, is taking place. All of us have the opportunity to be in some sort of good company to maintain the spirituality. And if a person cannot attend these gatherings, then try to remain in the company of our parents. Or a person remains in the company of his wife or his children. Any sane person will feel ashamed to commit sins in front of his parents or in front of his wife and his children. And one thing we medievals we will not do, it will never remain idle. That we know the English saying, an idle mind is a devil workshop, devil's workshop. Never ever remain idle. Never remain idle. Our respected Sheikh Muhammad Haq Maktasab says, we know that we are discouraged from futile acts. But he says futile acts are even better than remaining idle. Futile acts, which does not involve sin, is even better than remaining idle. He says, for example, one is a person just sitting idly and staring into space then that thought will start crossing the mind of a person. And once a person who is not involved in anything beneficial, but is futile, he's taking a stick or he's sitting on the floor and he's drawing some images, something on the sand. It may be futile, but his mind is being occupied in something that is not sin. Better than remaining idle is to do futile things. And yes, of course, the best thing is to remain in the obedience and do some acts of worship. And my dear brothers, we all know, if we, 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 we know that Nowadays, all of us, many of us, are unfortunately, very unfit. So even we take up in the confines of a home or in some halal environment, take some sort of some sort of exercise with a good intention, or even if we learn some DIY, you know, things are expensive nowadays. The cost of living is rising. So even if we learn some sort of DIY, some repairs in a home, it will save us money, and more importantly, it will keep us occupied and keep us away from sin. So the important advice, my dear brothers, for us is that in the after the month of Ramadan, let us try to remain in good company. The next thing, my dear brothers, is that we have to try to stay away from all evil sins, from all sins. And one particular sin that really destroys us is the sin of bad nazri, casting lustful glances. We know our respected Ustad Hazrat Muhammad Mutala Sabdam Barakatum. From the day we stepped into the madrasa, the Darul Ulum, up to this day, many years have passed, and still Mulana Dam Barakatum emphasizes to us the importance of this. Hazrat Mutala Sabdam Barakatum, Hazrat Hakim Hakta Sabdam all his ulama, they stressed upon us the importance of lowering our gaze and protecting our gaze. The, 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 the Bad Nazri casting lustful glances has been described by ulama, has been described as a poisonous arrow of shaitan. As a poisonous and bitter arrow of shaitan. You see, the, the ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a very, very sweet thing. Very, very sweet. The ibadah of Allah ta'ala is a sweet thing. Like how a person, now the evil come, inshallah, a person picks up one lukma of barfi, a sweet, sweet meat, very, very tasty, very, very enjoyable, and he wants another, and he wants another, and he wants another. And then we know some people who want bar of chocolate is not enough for them. 
They need to eat slabs at a time. They need to eat slabs at a time. Very sweet, I want more and more. Likewise, the ibadah of Allah Ta'ala, it has a sweetness to it. The, the more the person does, the more he wants to do because of the sweetness of the ibadah. But when a person will be making the ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on one hand, but on the other hand, he will be casting lustful glances, the poisonous and bitter arrow of shaitan, then the person will not find that sweetness in his ibadah. He will not find that sweetness in ibadah. Then the person will go on, and after a short while, the person will say that this ibadah is very hard, there's too much strain on the nafs, I can't manage it. And the person will give up the ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like how, you know, we have our small children who are suckling, who are still drinking milk from their mothers. The child in the first two years of his life is consumed. He loves nothing more than to drink milk from his mother. He's consumed. Day and night he cries and he only wants to drink milk from his mother. But now when the two-year period is coming to an end and the mother needs to wean off the child, then what does the mother do? You get a herbal remedy, a herbal paste that the mother puts on her chest. And when the child now drinks from there and gets that bitter taste, immediately now he comes off the breast. The same child who was in love, infatuated with drinking milk from his mother, overnight the child gives up drinking milk. Likewise, my dear, because of the bitter taste. Likewise, we're making the ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the bitter taste of casting lustful glances, when that will come into our hearts, then we will not want to be obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala any longer. So my dear brothers, there's one particular sin which is really destructive to our ibadat and the sweetness of our ibadat is casting lustful glances. Unfortunately, all of us or many of us are involved in this. May Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq to give it up and stay away from it. And also my dear brothers, another important thing my dear brothers, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has bestowed us with many, many ni'mat. One thing Allah Ta'ala has bestowed us and given us to use is the cell phone. The cell phone. Like all technology, they are the pros and the cons. They are the pros and the cons. Like for example, I remember Hazrat Mufti Sa'i Palampuri, Rahmatullahi, in this very same masjid, he had given this example, he had given two examples of how technology has its pros and its cons. One he says that we have this microphone. He says that one benefit of the microphone is that the, my voice, if you have a big crowd, then the voice can reach a far off place. And likewise, if they are listeners, perhaps women in another venue, that they can also hear the person speaking. But the cons of this microphone is that when we have this ijtima'i amal, this is not only about the bayan, but it's the unity that is created by sitting together. So when we have this microphone, then people will be sitting in the different corners of the masjid and not sitting together. Another example he gave that we have refrigerators, we have fridges and freezers. Alhamdulillah, the benefit of it is that now we can store and save our food and our other things from going off and becoming bad. That is the benefit of it. The cons of it is that a person... A person now no longer gives away his leftovers. If in the past, people didn't have fridges, they would cook their meals, they would eat whatever they required, and the rest, the balance, they would give it away to poor people before it goes bad and goes off. So likewise, maybe with the cell phone, it has its pros and its cons. The cell phone can be a very, very, your cell phone and the internet can be, and the rest of it can be something very, very useful, something very, very, uh, very, very uh, beneficial. But in, on the other hand, it can be something very, very destructive. We know Moïse Patel has said this about the tongue, but it also holds true for the cell phone, that the cell phone, he said about the tongue, we say about the cell phone, the cell phone can be a tool of great construction, or it can be a weapon of mass destruction. It can be a tool of great construction, or a tool or a weapon of mass destruction. The cell phone, my dear, unfortunately, the misuse of the cell phone has destroyed us spiritually, and it destroyed us socially. Huh? Why destroyed us socially? Because 
The cell phone, the homes, our homes are supposed to be a place of love, of care, of understanding, where families sit together, laugh together, uh, learn together, the rest of it. But today we enter many of our homes, and I'm not saying that I'm absorbed this, unfortunately all of us are involved in this. Enter the home today, the father is sitting on his cell phone, and uh, surfing the net, uh, perhaps doing some deals with some business partners in some other part of the world. The mother is on her cell phone, speaking to her family in other parts of the world, other parts of the country. The child is on his cell phone, and all the love in the home, the piyad and muhabbat is totally lost from the homes. Uh, that is why I said this before, that the cell phone has brought the entire world, the entire world into the palms of our hands, has shrunk the entire world into the palms of our hands, but it has taken our hearts and put it, put it apart further than the east and the west. It has totally disunited our hearts. There's no longer that love and that understanding in the hearts, in the homes. It has brought the entire world into the palm of our hands, but it has distanced our hearts further than the east and the west. And destroyed us spiritually, my dear brothers, because we know this idol, idol surfing and idol chatting on the internet and on the social media platforms, my dear brothers, which may start off innocently, which may start off innocently. A person may be surfing, uh, goes on to YouTube, and his first intention is clear. I want to listen to some qirat of Sheikh Sudais or some other qari. And then we have related videos coming there. Some person sees something there, something interesting, clicks on that. And then perhaps we have another related video comes there about one pretty face with a hijab on. My miraculous journey to Islam, for example. And the person clicks on that. And then now the same singer, same actors, her, 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 previous, her previous performances, one thing leads to another. And until the person gets involved in filth. And when the person will get involved in viewing filth, and become addicted to filth, my dear brothers, then the person will find it very, very hard to give it up. The person will get married and still won't be prepared to give it up. He'll become a father and still won't be prepared to give it up. His children will grow up, he still won't be prepared to give it up. He'll become, his children will get married and still he won't give it up. Na'udhu billah, the person will become a grandfather too. He become a grandfather too, and still he'll be so addicted and not be prepared to give it, give up, not be prepared to give up viewing this filth on the cell phone. So the cell phone, my dear brothers, we have to use it very, very wisely. We have to use it very, very properly. May Allah give us all the tawfiq, give us all the ability to give up this weakness. And may Allah tell us only make us, make us allow, allow us to only use the cell phone as, as for our necessities. Ulama mentioned, just use the cell phone like the toilet. No person use goes says, I'm, I have some spare time now on my hands, so let me go and sit in the toilet. The person goes to the toilet, he does whatever he needs to do in the toilet, the amount of time he requires, some person may require five months in the toilet, some person may require ten months in the toilet, perhaps somebody is suffering with, with constipation, he may need half an hour in the toilet. The amount of time I need, that's the amount of time I will spend on the cell phone. Beyond that, let's put it aside, my dear brothers, Allah give me and give us all the tawfiq. Another thing we're coming to an end now, inshallah. Another important thing for us to try to remain pious and try to retain some of the spirituality during the month of Ramadan, my dear brothers, is that we have to ensure that we only consume halal and we, we only earn that which is halal. We only consume halal and we only earn that which is halal. Stay very, very far away from haram and stay very, very far away from doubtful things. You know, we have, we speak about input and output, input and output, what we put in. If we are putting in halal, haram, if we are putting in haram and we are consuming haram and buying our food and whatever it may be through haram sources, we put in haram, then a person can expect haram to come out from his limbs. 
He can expect only to do haram things. But a person is putting into himself halal, then inshallah Allah will make it easy for the person to only do halal things. And not only that, my dear brothers, one thing that is vital for the acceptance of our du'as is for a person to only consume halal. Only consume halal. You know, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the highest stages. What a mu'allim, what a teacher he was. You know, you speak to a teacher and you tell him that you can, <coughs> you tell, the teacher will tell you that you can throw theory and theory and principle and theory at the students, but until you do not give them an example, you will, they will not fully comprehend and understand the theory that you are trying to teach them. Nabi Wasallam spoke to us and taught us uh, in a beautiful hadith. He said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, إِنَّ الْحَلَالَ بَيِّنُونَ وَإِنَّ الْحَرَامَ بَيِّنُونَ That halal is absolutely clear. Halal is absolutely clear. A person knows that a person, that we know that uh, many things Allah provides, the water Allah has provided was halal. A person knows that he buys something for 10 rand and sells it for 15 rand, that 5 rand profit he made is absolutely halal. Halal is absolutely clear. And haram is absolutely clear as well. It's a clear distinguishing line between halal and haram. All of us said, you know that khinzir, pork is haram. We know that wine is haram. We know that riba, interest is haram. We know that stealing is haram. We know it very, very well. Allah's Nabi said, but also there, are that, there is that gray area. There is that gray area, mushtabihat. Mushtabihat, doubtful area, gray area. Uh, those certain things where the ulama are not too happy with it. Maybe there is some sort of investment that if the ulama are not too happy with. Maybe there is some sort of restaurant or some place where the meat supply, the ulama are not too happy with it. Uh, the rule, we know the rule, when in doubt, leave it out. The gray area. But the person, Allah is the person who will involve himself. Involve himself in that gray area. Who will involve himself in doubtful things then the day will come where the person will fall headlong into haram. And then the beautiful example Allah's Nabi Wasallam gives us. He says like a person has a flock of sheep. He's grazing his flock of sheep right at the border of a sanctuary, at a restricted area, an area where he's not supposed to be grazing his sheep. But right at the border, close to it, he's, bordering, he's, he's grazing his animals. There is always the fear that a few animals may trespass into that sanctuary, into that restricted area, and go and graze in the area where they're not supposed to be grazing. Likewise, the person who will all will involve himself in doubtful things, the gray area, the time will come when he will move and go into the restricted area of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and involve himself in haram. Allah's Nabi goes on to say, I've mentioned that for our du'as to be accepted of Allah ta'ala, we have to ensure that we are only consuming halal. Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa gives an example. He says like a person, يُطِيلُ safar, أَشْعَثْ أَغْبَرَ A person is traveling. We know a traveler, a musafir, we learn that his du'as are very quickly accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this person has reasons for his du'a to be accepted. He's traveling. أَشْعَثْ أَغْبَرَ the person's hair is disheveled, uh, the person's clothing, the person's body and clothing is covered in dust. Again, a person in a pathetic state, his du'as are accepted very, very quickly. That is why we learn in fiqh that when we go to make salatul istisqa, du'a, the salah for rain, in the fiqh kitabs you mentioned, that time we should wear our old clothing to go like beggars before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to implore and beg Allah ta'ala for his mercy because a person in a pathetic state it's a reason for his dua to be quickly answered by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this person is traveling, du'as accepted of du'as of traveler accepted, the person in a pathetic state, du'as of a person in a pathetic state are accepted. The person raises his hand towards the sky, Ya Rabbi, Ya Rabb. He's calling on to Allah ta'ala, imploring Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So reasons for 
the person's du'as to be accepted all from Allah Dabi says, وَمَطْعَمُوا حَرَامٌ وَمَشْرَبُوا حَرَامٌ وَمَلْبَسُوا حَرَامٌ وَغُذِيَ بِالْحَرَامٌ But this person's food was some haram sauces. His drink was some haram sauces. His clothing was some haram sauces. غُذِيَ بِالْحَرَامٌ Head to toe, his body was nourished with haram. فَأَنَّا يُسْتَجَابُ يُسْتَجَابُ Allah's Nabi said, that how can this person's dua ever be accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So my dear, but it is vital for a believer to him to be doing amal salihah, righteous deeds. And for him to have his duas accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the person has to ensure that he's only consuming, only earning that which is lawful, that which is halal. My dear brothers, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as we come to the end of the month of Ramadan. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from us our efforts in the month of Ramadan. And going forward now, my dear brothers, may Allah ta'ala allow us. May Allah have mercy upon us. May Allah shower His mercy upon us. Only through the mercy of Allah that a person is allowed to worship Allah. May Allah have mercy upon us and allow us to remain. Yes, we can never ever maintain the momentum of the month of Ramadan. Allah gives us some sort of special energy in the month of Ramadan. We'll never be able to maintain the momentum in the month of Ramadan that we maintained, that we had in the month of Ramadan. But Allah will allow us to remain, to retain some sort, some sort of the spiritual energy, energy that we develop in the month of Ramadan. And if it all, my dear brothers, remember, for a person to remain from sin, yes, all his advices are there, and we have to try whatever we can do to become closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the greatest, the greatest thing that is required is some sort of himmat, some sort of encouragement. Hazrat Mu'tanvi rahmatullahi used to say, a person complained to him about the sin of Bad Nazri. So he says, I can't give you one tawiz, I can't give you one wazifa to read, or one tawiz to make you give up the sins. He says, the only thing that can help you to give up the sin is muqawamat nafs muqawamat nafs means a person has to put that strain on his heart, that strain on his soul. At the time when the thought comes into your heart to commit sins, Huh? The person at that time, there will be the other thought coming. That don't do it. Uh, our Shaykh mentioned that the other thought is a guest from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Respect that guest and Allah ta'ala will send that guest more to you. Uh, the thought comes and don't do it. You, went, you did so well in the month of Ramadan. Are you going to spoil all of that now? Don't do it. Don't do it. We have to put the strain on our nafs, the strain on our souls. That is the biggest and the most inviting ingredient for us to give up a life of sin. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept us. Allah give us the tawfiq. Allah make us live with iman. Allah make us pass with iman. And tomorrow day of qiyamah, Allah ta'ala resurrect us a perfect iman. Wa akhiru da'awana. Alhamdulillah.